Yeah. Yeah. So it'll come out next Tuesday. Yep. 31st. Mm -hmm. oh, so, cool. so Halloween night. If I would have known that, I would have uh, been like some sort of Halloween theme or something, you know? Well, we could just say, Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> A special Halloween local roundup episode. Man, you know what would have been really good on Halloween? What? Is, is a... <laughs> show for you guys wow we we sure do wow we wowie zowie wowie freaking zowie that might be one of the best things i've ever heard in my life is wowie zowie wowie zowie did i ever talk to you about how i was afraid of like three or four music videos when i was a child no which ones were they duran duran's wild boys <laughs> Yeah, that was a freaky video. I'm not. Uh, do yeah, you remember that one? Pretty like post-apocalyptic. Yeah, sort of. yeah. And Felt like Mad Max. It really, it really terrified me because uh, just that one part where they had uh, they had the guys like tied to like that big giant like windmill type. Yeah, thing. and their heads went under the water. And the heads were going under the water. That was terrifying. Yeah, that was pretty scary. Right. Uh, and then uh, there was some. You might actually be able to uh, dig this up mm -hmm. some 80s glam metal uh video i don't remember who it was it was a relatively i want to say maybe it was wasp or something okay i mean wasp weren't really obscure but they also weren't you know you know what i mean they weren't as big as points yeah. they know? weren't cinderella for christ's sake they weren't cinderella <laughs> it, actually this video may have been cinderella okay. all i remember is there's this one part where like the singer, as in all glam bands in the 80s, was doing sure. that. And during that part, there was a guy who ran out on stage on fire. On fire. On fire. Do, does that ring a bell at all? Well, because I, uh, maybe Blackie Lawless. Like, maybe someone from Wasp was on fire. I know that uh, that was Nikki Six's deal. He would light so, himself on fire. His boots. So maybe maybe it was a Motley Crue video that I, but in, in well, any case, looks that kill is a, a, a an amazing video that it definitely is. could it have scared somebody when they it wasn't it kid. wasn't that video it was a live video like it was on stage somewhere oh, like because I remember looks that kill like that was one of I actually for some reason oh, I was not a it's for so some, good. For some reason, I was not afraid of the Motley Crue videos. Looks that kill is a great <laughs> when those video. pentagrams fly out of the yeah, yeah, yeah. drums and yeah, oh yeah. my god, it's so good. Just it, was, it really just is flaming ass pentagrams and screaming. Oh man, uh -huh. the crew and rules. <laughs> they they really do. And then there was another video that I think was actually the most terrifying to me. Uh -huh. And this this is a weird one, but it's Herbie Hancock's Rocket. Rocket was pretty messed up. Dude, man. I remember yeah. just like being six years old and looking around yeah. at my house when I saw that and being like, are there like the any weird robots living here that right. I don't know about? Because oh. it was yeah. a scary video. I love it man. though. I loved all the robots. The like the legs walking robot. Yeah. The, yeah. the guy with the messed up face who sets up robot. Yep. yep. The, the one with like kind of looked like uh from Mystery Science Theater 3000, kind yep, of like big yep. flashlight eyes and stuff. Uh, oh, wait, no, is that Sick. Crow or is that? Uh, gypsy? That gypsy. No, gy yeah, no yeah. yeah, I think it is gypsy. gypsy. You're right, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was a sick ass video. I think I'm gonna watch it later. It it really was. Uh, yeah. It is like now looking back on it, I'm like, this is awesome. But as a kid, and then also Genesis Land of Confusion. That was a strange one with the spitting image puppets, yeah. There was a whole TV show of that, you know, those puppets. Really? Yeah, it was like a comedy show. Like, um, I don't remember what channel it was, but yeah, it was like skits. And the, it starred like Ronald Reagan and, you know, all, like celebrities, like puppets. Huh. 
It was really, it was pretty weird. I don't remember those. I do remember that show from the '90s, Dinosaurs. Yeah, it's kind of like dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. That's a great show. Uh, there were a couple videos that uh, I would say they frightened me, but I was a monster kid, so in reality, I just freaking loved them. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lover Boy by Billy Ocean. That shit's phenomenal. I, it's like a Star Star Wars cantina type deal. Really, I don't good. remember that one for yeah, some tons reason. of monsters, and then, okay. uh, like I said, I like looks that kill. It was really solid. Pretty much anything with a big old like pentagram, but no, Last in Line by Dio was my freaking oh yeah damn. Like I kind of feel like I based my whole what I wanted to be my whole personality on that kid at the beginning, <laughs> the paper boy. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, that dude's cool, and he gets to go to hell. He's got it made. Is that the one where he like goes down like some sort of weird yeah. elevator thing? Yeah, For yeah. Sure. And oh, there's all these God. like hood, these like hooded figures, and uh, and the big Dio devil in the background. Yeah, like, yeah, yep. It's so Dio scary, dude. It, there were a lot of like metal videos. Now that I think of it, like Can I Play with Madness was pretty. Oh crazy. yeah, uh, oh, from Maiden. That that was a good one That's though, good man. One. Yeah, and then um. Uh, what wasted years too, man. That was, I mean, for the most part, that was not scary. But when Eddie right. showed up, and uh, well, at also, the end, they do the the cycle through all the Eddie faces. Yep, all oh the Eddie God. faces, That's and then awesome. there's um, and then there's also um, my favorite Maiden <clears throat> video, and possibly my favorite Maiden song, "Fly <clears throat> to Vicarus." Oh, I don't know if I've seen the video. Never seen the video to "Fly to Vicarus." I don't think that, so, dude. Um, what's his uh, uh Nico? Nico yeah. McBrain, right. uh, he uh, plays uh, some sort of like hooded fig, like like a you know like a prophet or something. Oh, oh yeah, right. it's pretty cool. It's a, uh, um, I mean, it's cheesy. There's like this one part where uh, you know the part in the song where Dickinson's like, "Ooh yeah," like he makes a face up close. Yeah. It's hilarious, dude. He makes the funniest <laughs> face. Oh man. <laughs> Dickinson, uh, man, Dickinson. I'm trying to think uh, of some other ones. Oh, I really liked um Round and Round by Ralph. Oh, that was so good. And so the, good. the lady like, of- has latex all of uh, yeah, on yeah, her, yeah. she's tearing herself out of it. That uh-huh. freaked me out. What about that. Billy I anything by Billy Idol? Oh man, White Wedding is still White Wedding, up. yeah. It, it is. is still crazy. So here's a question for you. So <laughs> yeah. in the 80s, it seems like they really like we're kind of going for almost like these post-apocalyptic horror movie vibes. Yeah, for sure. In videos. And then in the nineties, it got really kind of artsy. Like, yeah. And there really wasn't that happening. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like nobody in Nirvana or mud honey was like, Hey, we're going to make this like really like crazy video. Like, well, they just went too real. Everything got too real. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, Jeremy is a disturbing video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... But there, there's no one, there's no demons in it. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what hey, we're uh... doing? You know what we're doing? Uh... Do you know what we're doing today? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Uh, reviewing some records. We're reviewing some records and they're they're local records. They're or yeah, regional they're... records. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. They're all local. It's a dang old local roundup you ain't from around here are you boy doing another local roundup this would be like local roundup seven or something wouldn't it i don't even know what number i don't know it's it's either it's six or seven it's been a while since we've done one of these man for sure it has yeah there's a lot of really good stuff uh, hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. Well, some of them hot off the presses. Some of them are couple warm of off the presses. I guess I didn't really pay attention to release dates. I just know there's <laughs> a couple of them that just came out, and that's great. Yeah, for sure. All right. So starting things off in our local roundup is Muscatine's own Phantom Threat. They return with three extremely intense new songs on the Born of Bestial Seed EP. And yeah, they're pretty much expanding on the Deathcore sound from their self-titled EP. 
Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Phantom Threat is Zach Tomfeld on vocals, Chris Winkle on bass, Alex Mueller and Scott Albee on guitar, and new drummer Frank Cruz on drums. Uh, I think that these three songs are the logical progression from the first EP, the self-titled first EP. Um, there really isn't too much of a uh, evolution in terms of like, they didn't really make any like super big changes on their sound, but I do think that they've gotten even even more intense. And I, I just kind of think that they're, um, well, I guess evolving funnily enough uh, from the, uh, intensity i think everything just kind of is maybe going up a notch everything from the the sound to the drumming um to you know everything once again all the performances just like on the first ep uh sound crystal clear um especially for a metal release um i think there are definitely some more noticeable death metal elements at play here uh maybe more so than the first ep um yeah, I mean, uh, the riffs are just mind-crushingly heavy. Uh, Frank's double bass has this, uh, just a machine gun precision, and I think he was just um, an excellent choice for a replacement drummer from the first one. Um, Frank, uh, you know, just like Chris and Zach, um, I've known him for a while. He's played in a number of Muscatine bands. He's always been a great drummer. Uh, yeah, and the bass really comes through. Like Chris's bass, you can hear it really well uh the vocals uh definitely go from a very guttural to almost at times almost like black metal shrieks um but yeah i i think that this is just some once again um they've come out with just a really solid sort of death core death metal influenced metal core whatever you want to call it um once again this just kind of takes me back without being nostalgic, um, it takes me back to a lot of different stuff that I used to listen to in my late teens, early twenties, uh, reminds me, some of it reminds me of hate breed, uh, cave in drowning man, botch early sepultura, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I, I think there's definitely a, uh, notable thrash element. Um, so once again, you know, I don't think they made like too much of a too much of a progression from their first EP, but I just think everything has been kind of taken up a notch. What did you think, Eric? I loved it. Um, the first thing we reviewed the EP, uh, I think, yeah, I think that um, the old school thrash element that I sort of talked about a lot. When, when we reviewed that one, I think it has sort of started to um, make way for a little bit, like you said, a little bit more like death metal influence because, you know, the first EP we talked about, it it seemed like very thrash oriented, black metal, metal core, but they weren't quite into that guttural uh, singing style. And like you, like you said, the drumming has—it's it, made a, a really big difference. So, uh, "Born of Bestial Seed" is is different, but I do think there's been a progression, and I think it is really—it's just making it even more brutal. So, overall, I found it really tough sounding, really brutal, completely unrelenting. Like it never pauses, never takes a break. It's just full steam ahead the whole time it's intensely sludgy sometimes like gruesome feeling i don't know how to how to say that another way uh really technical and i don't know this one to me had a little bit more sass to it i know that sounds <laughs> silly to say but there were some moments where it was a, a little sassier i don't know another word for that so i guess you figure out what that means um but yeah, the vocals are extremely impressive on this. Uh, they do go from like these screaming, shrieking elements to like almost barking kind of moments. And then just extremely guttural sort of dry, long death metal type vocals. The instrumentation, of course, is perfectly performed. I love Phantom Threat's uh, rhythm, guitar tones, just totally crushing 
I, I love the the leads, the lead guitars. They're like haunting, almost atmospheric leads, like a, a lot of reverb delay, and they they kind of move outside of time. And it's just like I said, kind of haunting. It's a it's a great thing. The bass is fuzzed out completely, and uh, it's almost like subsonic at times. It's like so low, uh, and it, it adds just a really amazing foundation to the whole thing. And the drums are super tight, super technical, always perfect, always on. And the double bass is insane. It's just perfect. It's super sick. But yeah, as far as things that reminded me of, I got to be honest, like I always say, there's some things that I just don't have that much of a background in. So these are the things that it reminded me of are probably more like just things that sort of touch a similar tone that I happen to be familiar with. So um, like possessed and creator sort of, as far as like the thrashier stuff, converge a little bit and maybe like black dahlia murder like like i said i don't know if those things are similar really but that, that's sort of what it brought to my mind with my limited experience uh with this kind of stuff and uh but no i think it's it's amazing and phantom threat is awesome and they're part of just an amazing metal like a resurgence it feels like it's just a, a amazing especially just eastern iowa it's like so many amazing metal bands so yeah super cool ep yeah super sweet stuff um so moving right along uh the next one is by slwcc watt and uh the slw in that is sam lockward the watt in that is mike watt of the minutemen uh the record is called purple pie plow and it came out in 2023 i think everything we're talking about came out in 2023 but this is the third record from SLWCC Watt, and it follows kind of the same format uh, of the other records. And this is this is what I think is happening. Um, I think for the ma the majority of these are Sam Lockward songs, in which Mike Watt plays bass. But then there's these other musical interludes that I don't know if they collaborated on that part of it. But Mike Watt sort of does um, like a spoken word uh, thing over some of these interludes. Um, it's really cool. But yeah, so I think that's how it it works because the, the songs definitely have the feel of Sam Lockward's songs. Uh, the thing about Sam Lockward, like his music is so good and he's so prolific. Like it could absolutely inspire you to make more music or make better music or it can make you just want to give up completely <laughs> making music because it's so overwhelming the amount of amazing work he has out and I, I i he's one of the few people that i really if you played it for me i think i could say that is 100 sam lock ward like he has a sound that he's developed over thousands of songs and he's just an amazing songwriter. So, um, yeah, the songs, uh, the playing, the singing, they, they like I said, with Sam's songs, they I feel like they perfectly sort of ride this line between, like, complete prowess and control over the sound and the songs. But then it also rides the line of sort of, being outsider like really kitschy and really strange 
there's always a level of strangeness to it that makes it interesting. Um, but yeah, there's still familiar and accessible elements to the songs, but yeah, they're always offset with just strangeness and really creative ideas. Um, I feel like this record brought in uh, more saxophone. And I, I, I know that Sam has been working a lot more with Bob Bucko Jr. And so I, I think that's probably why there's a lot more saxophone, but there's a lot more piano too. And this is what I found interesting. The addition of the sax and piano kind of took things to a different sort of like almost like rock and roll place or like Northern soul, like Van Morrison or something, or the stones, like it had this different feel to it. Um, it's a great record. Every song on it is awesome. Overall, it felt to me like there might be this sort of like uh idea running throughout about giving in to like mob mentality and just joining like a bunch of troglodytes basically and like i don't know it was it's a really cool concept and that one that concept comes through and facing the crowd very specifically but like i said with sam's music and i don't want to leave mike watt out of this obviously mike watt legendary bass player and his bass lines are very fluid he's a very like um vocal bass player like he doesn't play necessarily the roots and he doesn't necessarily play the in the pocket but he's moving along with the melodies he's using the bass like how someone would use their voice to sing and it it's amazing but yeah things that this reminded me of uh the beach boys uh harry nielsen uh, the Minutemen, actually, uh, and not just the bass parts, but that sort of underlying um, twangy Western element they had to some of their songs. Like I'm thinking of like Corona or whatever. Um, Timbuk Three a little bit, kind of because of those same kind of Western undertones. The Kinks, uh, uh, Jack Stauber, and the with the addition of the saxophone, it really reminded me of um, Dexy's Midnight Runners, uh, which if anyone knows me, they know that I love Dexy's Midnight Runners. Uh, but I, I just think it added this other element of like soul uh, to it. And uh, yeah, it's a thoroughly enjoyable album. Just great pretty much on every level. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think this is great. It's actually become my favorite of the SLWCC Watt series. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that, not to take anything away from the first two, because the first two were killer as well, but I just think this was like an even more like fully realized piece of art, I guess, or piece of work. Um, like you said, Eric, great songwriting. Uh, lots of really cool sounds and instruments. And mm -hmm. I also, one of the things I really liked about this album is that it's very catchy. Mm -hmm. um, it just, it's just a really smooth transition to everything from the songs into the spoken word pieces. A um, lot of really cool instruments, like you mentioned the horns, uh, saxophone specifically, mm -hmm. lots of acoustic guitar, some interesting percussions. I think the spoken word pieces from Watt this time around it just, I don't know, it, it really melded together with the songs, um, I think, just perfectly. And I mean, both of the previous uh, SLW Watt records did as well, but I don't know, man. I just think that this was done extremely well. Yeah, they're definitely, one of the things that I've always appreciated about Sam Lock Ward's stuff is a lot of the themes that he plays around with lyrically. And um, <clears throat> I don't know, he, he makes it sound so effortless. <laughs> I, you know, you kind of touched upon the whole, um, how prolific he is. It, it is amazing how many releases, if you look up on Bandcamp and you look up on Spotify and how, how much he's just been able to do, you know, for, I don't know, how long's he been at it? 20 years at least, something like that. Um, and uh, he just continues to put out like 
I don't know. It seems like three or four albums a year. I just like how he kind of does this thing where, um, I don't know, he makes doom and like self-reflection and corruption and politics. He makes it sound, I don't know, like, like almost happy, but also like there's this underlying darkness to it, which I think is, I mean, that's, that's harder to do than it, you know, than it sounds. And I Mm -hmm. think like one of the only other bands that's been able to successfully do that is they might be giants, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways, but I think, um, that's one of the things that I I've always really liked about Samuel Locke Ward is this, this sort of like, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's a crossroads between like happiness and total darkness and total dread. Mm-hmm. And, but, but you, you can sing along to the dread and mm-hmm. he just, he really is just a masterful songwriter. And then all the spoken word pieces from Mike Watt, I think are just brilliant on this. Uh, one of my new favorite songs from Samuel Locke Ward is Be the Bones. Mm-hmm. I absolutely yeah. think that that song is incredible. Um, it has almost like a, I don't know, like a, uh, uh, yeah, like a soul. Yeah, I, I would say soul, Eric. I, I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of was struggling to sort of figure out what element was maybe different on this. I think, I think the soul element is definitely accurate there, especially with the horns and yeah, it's just a a really beautifully produced record. And uh, yeah, I'm, I look forward to hearing more. I mean, I I think he just put out another, uh, another one of his frequent collaborators is Jad Fair. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he just put out a new record with him. And I like the stuff that I've been hearing from, from those collaborations also um yeah really great stuff as far as the stuff that this reminded me of uh beach boys um i agree with you 100 there eric um i would say a little bit of the um elephant six type stuff Hmm. neutral milk hotel of montreal olivia tremor control there is kind of a uh sort of a psychedelic thing that's happening as well i feel at, at times but i think that's sort of just like natural and Sam sound a little bit nowadays magnetic fields because mm-hmm. Sam's voice really reminds me of Stephen Merritt. And also magnetic fields is another one of those groups that I think can just make dread sound kind of joyful. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and it's kind of funny, you know, like it, it's not, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, should I be laughing at this? You know what I mean? Right. And then Ween, there's, there's like an element of this that reminds me particularly of like Quebec era Ween. Mm. Beatles, I think some of the instrumentation, uh, there's sort of an experimentation and some of the later Beatles stuff that I think you could definitely find if you're a, if you're a fan of that kind of sound, you could find something here. And then, of course, they might be giants, which I just mentioned. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a really fully realized piece of work. So yeah, absolutely fantastic stuff. The next release we're going to talk about is Bodaya, uh, Soft Memory. Uh, so Bodaya is an experimental electronic project from Brandon Voles from Des Moines, Iowa. 
Um, and I heard about him cause he actually shot us an email and, uh, you know, asked us to check out his, uh, his stuff. And guess what, Brandon, we're checking out your stuff mm-hmm. and it is really, really cool stuff. It reminds me, um, of a lot of stuff that I know not a lot about <laughs> and that I mm-hmm. feel like Eric probably knows a lot more about than I do. Uh, mm-hmm. but what I will say is it's very groovy and very fun. Uh, also very dark and gritty at times. Uh, what this is, is um, a lot of it. And a lot of this is going to come from a place of, again, I'll just warn all of you electronic music listeners that I'm not necessarily well-versed in this genre, which I think if you've listened to previous episodes, uh, you probably have figured that out that Eric is more the expert in this type of stuff, but it, it, it's got kind of an industrial element and it hits really hard at times, but other times it's, it's very almost like for lack of a better way to describe it, soothing and kind of dreamy. It's all instrumental. Um, some really great sounds. Like I mentioned, uh, it, it has a bubbly glitchy element Sometimes it kind of reminds me of, you know, sort of the vaporwave or hyperpop type stuff that's out these days. And, you know, sometimes it just kind of reminds me a little bit of straight techno. For me, this kind of stuff is, this might sound a little silly, but to me, this is total vibe music. Like this is kind of, uh, yeah, I'm trying to be cool with the young ones here, Eric, I guess. <laughs> um, it totally is, for lack of a better way to describe it, because as the kids say these days, it's totally a vibe. It's It's got that drum and bass element. Yeah, I, I wish that um, that I had more knowledge of this kind of stuff. And so for me, in a similar way that Eric mentioned the stuff that he compared Phantom Threat to, this is going to be kind of a similar thing where maybe you know i'm i'm not it's just kind of stuff that sort of reminds me of it and maybe isn't stuff that um it's all stuff that i think you should check out but not because i think that it really is kindred spirits to this necessarily although in some cases i think it probably is so like fire tools uh the uh what we reviewed Man, that was an early episode, wasn't it, Eric? Yeah, it was probably um, about 20 years ago. Um, square Pusher, a little bit of craft work, the instrumentals to like death grips and clipping. It definitely had like sort of a an instrumental hip hop vibe to me as well. Um, maybe a little bit of Aphex Twin, Kill Alters, the Six Finger Satellite Machine Cuisine EP. Mm-hmm. uh for sure yeah and and i you know i wish that i could add more to it um basically all i've got is what i just said it it it's very groovy it puts me in a puts me in a mood uh puts me in a vibe um and uh yeah <laughs> that's kind of all i got sorry nice. uh, what well, did you think eric yeah i i really enjoyed it um yeah my my short description of it, um, uh, I said it's glitchy brain dance with a uh, deep and layered atmosphere. So, yeah, that that should tell you everything you need to know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's uh, it is really cool. And like when I say glitchy, sometimes that uh, brings to mind certain other things. In this sense, glitchy is sort of more like a a breakbeat element where rhythms aren't. Uh, necessarily super straightforward all the time that um, they might be in time but they're not necessarily rigid so a lot of uh, changes in in time things like that um, but yeah I thought this was super cool and what I really enjoyed about it was I loved the the synthesis that is happening on this and the thing about using synthesizers and electronic music in general is it's kind of cool that you can come to it from lots of different directions. So you can either geek out super hard about very specific 
things that you do, or you can just find sounds you think are sick and and play, you know? And so some of the stuff I'm describing here, they might not have been like super conscious decisions, but they're, they're still there. You know what I'm saying? So I love all the different types of synthesis. Um, there's lots of string plucks and bells, those kind of sounds, which I always talk about the carpless, strong filtering. Um, that's all throughout. But my favorite part of this is um, what they call formant filtering, which is sort of um, a filtering uh, process that kind of makes things have vowel sounds. So almost like uh, talking sounds. Um, and I feel like most of the songs on here have at least one very like vocal sounding part. They aren't vocals, they aren't words, but the way the synthesizers sound, sounds like talking. And it, for a lot of it, it really felt like sort of like an alien voice inside my head, like a language I didn't know inside my brain uh, being spoken the whole time. And it, it was really cool, like a really, um, really cool experience. Uh, to have that. Um, the bass lines, very solid throughout. And that that solid element uh, creates a really great foundation for all the other strange, glitchy things to happen on top of. Um, it it kind of reminded me, especially of like maybe some, some of Kraftwerk bass lines. Um, I'm thinking specifically of Computer Love, part two, uh, which has one of my favorite synth bass lines ever. It sort of has this just a really foundational feel to it, really solid. Um, overall, really great broken rhythms, some really grinding noise at times, but also very mellow and calming at other times. And I, I listened to this a few times, and there's a lot of subtlety here, actually, too. There's underlying parts, and some of this has to do with those plucked strings and bells and things like that. But there are also some other string kind of parts, and they're almost like, I don't want to say horror strings, because I don't think this is in that vein or any, but more like a cinematic type strings or like choirs or, you know, that kind of space. And I don't think you notice it at first because of all the other more overt sounds that are happening but there really is this underlying cinematic element to it i thought it was really great i love this kind of stuff and it's always awesome to hear new stuff the things that reminded me of dan actually were pretty similar here uh mm. i said apex twin mm. i said autesher i said square pusher <laughs> i said mm, craft cool. work and then also demon queen uh tobacco's sort of more like retro-y sounding uh project uh i don't want to say vaporwave because it's not quite that but it's it's just a little more retro uh but no i i i really enjoyed it um super cool and i think i've seen this name on flyers so i need to go check this out live too so yeah super good so very cool stuff yeah We have a record from Brooks Strauss. Um, it's called Fool, and it just came out. So 
here's the deal. Technically, Brooke Strauss is not an Iowa musician anymore because <laughs> he moved. <laughs> um, he lives in Kalamazoo now. I think we've talked about that a couple times. But I would assume that a lot of this was at least uh, conceptualized, if not recorded, in Iowa before he moved. And so we're just we're just going to cover it. And that's the way it is. So <laughs> this record, Fool, is pretty different uh, for Brooks. Overall, I think you could call this or think of this as an electronic album. There's a lot of synthesizers. There's not a lot of acoustic instruments. Other than maybe some electric guitar and maybe some bass, I, I think that all of this is electronic. So, But it doesn't really, to me, come off like techno or something like that it's it's i think it's deeper than that and it's more to me like a like kind of an esoteric disco record you know there's there are a lot of electronics but they're not the focus if that makes any sense on this i think brooks's voice and the songs themselves are are very much brooks strauss songs like the construction of the songs, the delivery, the subject matters, his voice, all that is still intact, but the electronics put him in this sort of new context that can be a little like disarming if you're used to what Brooks usually does, which to say Brooks usually does anything is sort of unfair because he has had other albums that are electronic based. He's had albums that sound like Phil Spector, like that era of recording or like uh, folk stuff or, you know, uh, stuff like that. So he has a lot of different things. But for some reason, this one feels really fresh and really different than what I've heard from him. Um, and so if you are a Brooks Strauss fan, I would suggest checking this out. And to be honest, at first, you'll probably be like, I don't know about this. Then you'll realize these are still the same level of craftsmanship and songwriting that Brooks always brings to the table. And it's, it's awesome. Uh, and it came to me as well, here's how I'll put it. I feel like in previous works from Brooks, we've, we've been able to get inside Brooks's ears. Like we hear what Brooks wants us to hear. He creates the sound, he creates the, all the elements. He does all that. This one, I feel like we get, to be in his head a little bit. Like these are sounds imagined, you know? And then we get to hear how he imagined these sounds. And so it, it, to me, it just is a little bit different. It has more of an interior vibe to me, kind of like, yeah, I don't know how else to put it, except this one feels like we are hearing what's in his head. Uh, and it also feels kind of like a love letter to the electronic artists that Brooks loves. And I, I am lucky enough to know Brooks pretty well. And I know some of the uh, electronic stuff that he loves. And I think a lot of that comes through. There are really beautiful moments offset by really crazy moments. A lot of manipulated vocals, um, a lot of electronic just strangeness, but always, you know, there's this underlying beautiful moments and things like that westward prayer i think is the last song it's just a gorgeous song but yeah i would say if you like brooks's music and you want to know what it would sound like if it was approached from this sort of electronic crazy disco kind of focus it's uh this is really cool so uh the things that reminded me of have more to do with the music probably than the songwriting and even the vocal delivery, but not necessarily. First and foremost, this reminded me of David Bowie, uh, especially like Low, Lodger, like that era with a lot of the electronics, but uh, the vocals too. Brooks does sort of these lower baritone, almost vocals and higher vocals on top of that. Really Bowie feeling to me. Um, Bruce Hack uh, with a lot of the electronics and vocoding. I, I never say this person's name right, but Giorgio Moroder. I can't say either name, first or last. Um, he was a big disco producer, did a lot of uh, soundtracks using electronics. 
super cool. Uh, Ween, for sure, especially with some of the vocal manipulations. Uh, Black Moth, Super Rainbow. Wow, Tobacco gets two shout outs today. Um, <laughs> Martin Rev, uh, especially uh, the record See Me Riding. Uh, is a, it's an amazing Martin Rev album. Martin Rev being half of Suicide. Um, reminded me a bit of that. Leonard Cohen, I'm Your Man uh, record. And then uh, even some moments from like um, like David Lynch's records too. So yeah, I don't have a lot else to say about it. This is a Brooke Strauss record filtered through some sort of insane uh, electronics. And I think it created a really interesting and fresh feel. So what'd you think, Dan? I thought it was really cool that Brooks did this. He takes, um, as you mentioned, Eric, uh, the way that he um, melds his songwriting with this oftentimes really experimental yet synth poppy electronic direction it's something that is kind of unexpected, but then at the same time is oddly familiar if you know Brooks and kind of like where he comes from musically. I don't know, the way he applies his songwriting to electronic music is really, really cool. At times it's very chaotic. It creates an atmosphere for me like it almost sounds like being trapped inside a computer or video game going haywire at times. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's got that sort of chaotic, but yet it's also extremely, I don't know, at times, like, like you mentioned the last, the last song is a really gorgeous song. So there's no, like, it's not being chaotic for the sake of being chaotic. Like I definitely feel like there's a, there's a purpose to this record, you know? Yeah. It, it's got some really cool, like, uh, vocal experimentations the drums and the synthesizers that are involved in it it definitely has that sort of hard hitting pulsating like i don't know 80s industrial vibe at times the production is fairly dark and grimy and so that kind of just adds to the to the hard hitting aspect of of the drums but the way that he does the voice manipulation is it's really cool and sometimes almost borders on like you know the absurd and i really really like that aspect of it i think when he talked about the release of this he kind of described it as almost like a spiritual goth pop record and i could mm. definitely see that or spiritual synth pop i think or something mm. like that is kind of how he described it i can definitely see that and and he also mentioned a gothic vibe to it like i agree with you eric it's really just brooks songs that are just kind of yeah being presented through this filter of electronic music mm -hmm. and you know pretty pretty crazy electronic music at times yeah i don't really have much else to add to it i think um he mentioned that he started working on this in 2014 Mm -hmm. and then he then he abandoned it for a while and then he just i don't know i don't know whether he just decided to release it and he was already mm -hmm. done with it or if he revived it and kind of tweaked some parts i'm not really sure what the process was but so this is kind of it sounds like this has kind of been in the vault for a while for mm -hmm. brooks and that that kind of says he's been toying around with the idea of doing something like this for a while brooks has always done a lot of different musical projects. He's always doing something, it seems like, and uh, some of them sound radically different, you know, while others have that kind of, I guess you could say, I don't really want to say traditional Brooks sound, but, you know, there is definitely like a, uh, like a sound that I think Brooks has kind of, mm -hmm. you know, cultivated over the years. Like, yeah. it's kind of like Sam Lock Ward. If you hear Brooks singing, you kind of know that it's him, For sure. you know? Mm -hmm. and um that really is no different here unless you're hearing the parts where you know the voices go really deep mm -hmm. you know or something like that as far as the stuff that this reminds me of billy corgan's solo album the future embrace mm -hmm. i know that that's kind of a weird one take this as as you will and i don't know how 
Brooks would feel about this, but his voice has always kind of reminded me of Billy Corgan's in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, when I heard this, it it kind of reminded me of that specific record. Um, it's really interesting. And then the other um, thing that this really reminded me of, especially with the production and the structures and the sound of the synth, sounds of the drums, is the faint. This This reminded me a lot of some of the faint stuff um from way back in the day a little bit of new order definitely bruce hack for sure even nodal a little bit mm-hmm. um and then also like when in rome missing persons two-way army and honestly nine inch nails a lot of it reminded me of that kind of had yeah. like all the all these different elements of you know sort of electronic groups over the years and i would not be surprised if Brooks is inspired by, you know, uh, a handful of those, a a handful of the artists that we listed off, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, So yeah, Brooks Strauss fool. If, uh, yeah, if you're going to dive into this record and you're expecting it to be like another, I don't know, dead animals or chemical wedding of Mm -hmm. Brooks Strauss or something like that. I mean, that's, you're not going to get that, but you are going to get a really well done piece of work, you know? really well done songs and presented as a um as an electronic record so yeah, yeah. really cool really cool stuff because i am a good man but that would be so much more if you took my hand be with me you're the one i record we're going to talk about is death kill overdrive juicin it is awesome so those of you who aren't familiar with death kill overdrive uh kane edwards on vocals and guitar oliver wylin guitar and vocals as well uh molly noxon i believe mm-hmm. uh on bass and then jeff kaiser on drums mm-hmm. um and man i gotta tell you everything that was great about the self-titled release from these guys everything that was great and it believe me it was great is probably even 10 times hell i'm gonna say it probably even 50 times better on this but anyway no man this is uh absolutely fantastic i mean uh they were already an amazing group i mean they could have been done with the first record and you know thank god they're not uh but um and I still would have been like, okay, Death Kill Overdrive was an amazing band, but this is this is a whole other level, man. Everything on this record, in terms of production, presentation, content, songwriting, uh, guitar tones, drumming, bass, vocals—I mean, everything is just taking it up even further. I mean, it's just fantastic. Uh, the guitars are louder and. The melodies are just so awesome. This is just undeniably a fantastic pop punk rock record. And when I say rock, the rock influence on this is like turned up to 10. And the riffs on this album are just so good. Um, I mean, the punk is like punkier, if you will. (laughs) It's just... There's so much distortion, but it's just so damn catchy and just great hooks. I mean, 
some of the best songs that I've heard from, I mean, just like a punk band in general, um, you know, here in this state of Iowa or on this release, it's absolutely incredible. Specifically, the one track that I want to talk about is this song called Bunny Song. And it stands out so much on the entire record because the beginning legitimately sounds like one of the best Jesus Lizard songs. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And it, it, it's, it's so crazy that it exists on this record, but the baseline totally reminds me of Jesus Lizard. And then it goes into like, just, you know, pop punk goodness, the, the catchiness that this band is super good at. I mean, mm. I just had to find myself singing along to, you know, I was singing along to the songs before they were even done. I mean, there's just great mm -hmm. hooks on this entire thing. And yeah, the riffs, uh, the instruments, fantastic. I believe it's, it's production from Luke Tweedy again. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, they just took everything on this record and turned it up to 10. It, it is absolutely amazing. Fantastic stuff. Uh, as far as the stuff that reminds me of, Blink-182, Green Day, um, Descendants, The Loved Ones, The Ramones, a little bit of Screeching Weasel, Lawrence Arms, Small Brown Bike, Rancid. Also, I would say a little bit of Nirvana even in the Fastbacks. I mean, there's there's just, it's, if, if you're into like just music that, again, uh, kind of we're kind of going back to the Samuel Locke Ward thing where they're kind of making um, darkness sound kind of fun in a way <laughs> mm -hmm. that because there is definitely a lot of a lot of feelings expressed on this as well. A lot of content where you can tell that, you know, that there's there's a lot of emotional stuff. There's also a lot of humor involved as well. I mean, they have a song called Fuck Heidi. Um, it's yeah, it, it's just really fun to listen to, but also um, very relatable because, you know, I think. It also recognizes that not everything is just, you know, I guess like sunshine out there for everyone mm -hmm. either. It's, it's, you're singing along, but you're singing along to darkness at times, but also sometimes you're just singing along because it's fun. And that's what I think Death Kill Overdrive captures amazingly on this record. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, it it's great. It, it sounds great. Songs are great. Uh, super fast, fun, energetic pop punk with some sharp edges and yeah, just a little darkness. Like Dan said, everything. It sounds great is played perfectly. Uh, all the instruments are super tight uh, and succinct as well. Like there's not a lot of fucking around here, even though it's super fun. Like I think that it comes across as they're dead serious about playing these songs. And yeah, it, it's cool. Um, Jeff Kaiser, the drummer, um, I had the pleasure of playing with him in uh, in the Mouth of Radness, and he's one of the most energetic, upbeat people. I mean, we did an interview with him, so if you want to find mm -hmm. out, go back and listen to it. I think this is like one of the few projects I can even imagine would m meet his level of energy. You know, like it's just perfect a perfect fit and it and it comes through not just with the drumming but everything just this intense energy and fun energy you know like we we hear so much stuff that's fast and intense and but it's almost always like you know dark and angry and even though there's moments maybe of that in here that's not the focus um but yeah it's it, like dan said um they just are getting better and I think as a band, it, it feels like they're gelling more as players. Um, and yeah, it just, it sounds so great. Um, I really love the way the background vocals were approached on this one. Um, they happen throughout the record almost all the time. I think someone's singing uh, a lead, but there's almost always someone else singing sort of a background vocal. It's a super poppy element. Um, and it's kind of subtle, but it just kind of bolsters the lead vocal and the melodies of the songs. It adds just some depth to everything. 
and I do have to say that the bunny song um, Molly sings uh, lead on, and it, it's really nice. It, it's a really cool moment on the record where it's like, oh, this is something completely different. Do you think um, that that baseline sounds like Jesus Lizard, or am I am I losing my mind? I can hear it. I mean, I think Molly's tone is similar to that. You know, okay. I don't know. It's super fun and fast and irreverent as hell, but not silly, um, which is kind of a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. I mean, of all the stuff that we've talked about, if it sounds like something you'd like, then I'm sure you're going to love it. I don't have that deep of a background with what you would call pop punk, um, but elements of it reminded me of all uh, no effects. I don't know, Distillers, Mr. T Experience a little bit, and Green Day, of course. But, oh, yeah. Uh, Dickies, um, and some of the guitar, or not really the guitar parts, but the melodies, the song structures. Like, the Dickies always had this just slight sort of almost irreverence, like dark irreverence to almost every song they did. There was always this just bit of dissonance through everything. And then with, like Dan said, with the rocking part of it, like how rocking this whole thing is, little bits of it reminded me of the presidents of the United States of America. Mm. And hopefully that doesn't offend anyone because I love them, especially the two record. Um, But yeah, that level of rocking out is in here too. So yeah, if you, like I said, if you like any of the stuff we (laughs) compared it to, then you're going to just, you're going to love it. president's shout out doesn't offend anyone either i i personally don't know why it would because yeah <laughs> i love their first record and i know yeah. you talked about their second record yeah i love the first one too yeah and it turns out that uh there's a lot of people that love that second record just like you do eric wow i had no um, idea yeah no they're 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 sort of this um well at least among a few of my friends they're like, oh man, their second record is awesome. Huh. And so you're not the only one, Eric. Yeah. Well, it's it, the thing about it is what I like about it is it's just so unapologetically rocking. Like it, yeah. It's kind of like, and don't don't have this have anything to do with Death Kill Overdrive. This is just sort of an aside. Right. But uh the real big fish, why do they rock so hard record is similar in its approach where it's just mm. like we are just going to rock out at every possible chance we get you know yeah. like we're not slowing down we're not taking it easy we're not getting mellow or sad or introspective or emotional like the second you feel like we should be doing something else we just need to rock even harder you know mm. and it that I so I guess in that sense that it does make me think of this Death Kill Overdrive record. It's just like sure. at every turn it just goes harder. So um what did we learn today? Uh, uh what nothing. did we talk about? I don't I yeah. don't know. Nothing. What did yeah, we talk we, about? You know, we need to start some sort of like healing portion of this podcast where we talk about snake oils that will heal hmm. people. Wow. For money. And okay. get them to send us money. Uh-huh. But then uh, yeah. Not, yeah. And we'll send them a shirt. 
<laughs> Wait, that's just selling shirts, dude. Well, yeah, but we just the secret is we don't tell them that. Oh, we tell them that they're going to get say some that, sort of. Oh, yeah. Like we're going to make oil out of snakes mm-hmm. and then send it to them and it's going to heal them. Yeah, but my snake's really kind of low on oil right now. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go get it. Go get a snake oil change. You gotta get a snake oil change. Yeah. You take like a like a snake into yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It's really <laughs> yeah, funny. You got it, you got it. Uh-huh. This is good stuff. Good stuff. Um <laughs> oh, you know, you know what else we we're we're long overdue for? No, uh-uh. But... Uh, uh, an appearance by enemy Chuck. Oh, I was thinking shit. about this the other day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We'll see. We'll see if we're that desperate for content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, hear me out. Hear me out. Uh-huh. We'll do the same exact thing we did last year. New Year's Eve spectacular. Oh, man. Is that what we did? <laughs> I don't know. When did we have Chuck on the show? I don't know. I, I repressed that memory. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, you're saying like when go back to check out another episode except for the one with yes chuck. right yeah that's exactly <laughs> what i mean yeah yeah chuck if I, you're listening I, thank you i regret it <laughs> it's the only thing about this show that i feel bad badly about and not just that's, the show but myself you know mm-hmm. yeah it's, i don't think anyone ever needed to hear did you think you did His yourself voice. and everyone else dirty by having Chuck? Yeah, I did. A, I did us dirty. You did yeah. a sturdy. I did the sturdy. I got sturdy. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, well, uh, <laughs> we should probably uh, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. Okay. So we're just gonna do. We're gonna go back to doing it, man. Aren't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. Just uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Got anybody who you want us to review or yeah. you're in a band yourself, just yeah. let us know. We're we're easy to contact these days. Just send us mm-hmm. an Instagram message or email yeah. accelerative.thrust at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh we hope to uh we hope that you'll listen next time. Thanks for listening this time. <laughs> yep. Bye. Bye. You can sing along to the dread.